0: Hi, this is Mandy. you're listening to Known. Hi friends, you guys have really blown me away with your reviews and your comments and the things that you've said to me in person. Just the way that you're receiving these stories means so much to me. If you haven't already subscribed, followed me on Instagram, followed me on Facebook, checked out the blog and the shop all those things, then please do so. You can visit my website, mandymcd.com. M-A-N-D-E-E-M-C-D dot com. You can find Known Podcast on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I'm all over the place. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast on whatever app you prefer to use. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I figured it's time to share a little bit more of myself with you. What you're about to hear is actually a talk that I did at My Church's Ladies Retreat back in March. The whole theme of the retreat was you are enough because he is enough. And I feel like the whole I am enough, you're perfect just the way you are worldview is super popular right now. So I was passionate about this topic and glad to share. I thought about re-recording this with better audio quality better equipment, all those things. But then I decided the whole purpose of this podcast is to give you real stories. So what you're about to hear is what I recorded using my iPhone sitting on the podium as I was speaking to a room full of my friends. You'll hear us talk to each other a little bit. You'll hear rustling of pages. And I don't care. I just want you to hear what I had to say. So here is my talk on being enough. So when I found out the theme for this weekend, I was like, okay, we use that word enough a lot. What does it actually mean? So Webster says it's an adequate quantity or number, sufficiency, which you used that word earlier, and a quantity or degree that answers a purpose or satisfies a need or desire, sufficiently, fully, or quite. So raise your hand if you feel completely adequate sufficient your satisfying needs and desires and purposes (laughs) okay same so in thinking about being enough over my super long lifetime um, (laughs) I thought back to myself as a teenager um, and probably my entire childhood I was always well liked um, by friends by acquaintances by my parents by my family by my friends parents like I was the girl that they were like oh you need to hang out with Mandy more." my teachers liked me I had them all fooled (laughs) Um, I could blend into any group like the smart kids at school I was pretty smart so I could study just enough to fit in with them partiers no trouble fitting in with that group Um, just about any group I could fit into my grades were just good enough to get by Um, I graduated barely Um, (laughs) I was well behaved enough to stay out of trouble or sneaky enough to not get caught and stay out of trouble but you know after so long that catches up with you so I'd say um, college I kind of started realizing like who am I does anybody really know me I'm not living up to what I was created for and I still wasn't totally a follower at that point but it was already starting to come into my mind, like, there's got to be more to me than just enough. So at 23 years old, I found myself divorced, lost my job. My mom was sick. My life was no longer enough. I could no longer do just enough to get by. I was no longer getting by. So then I started to really think about oh maybe this God thing is more than just oh I believe in him and I'm going to go live my life maybe there's more to it so as I started studying more and thinking more about how my life should be then I started trying to be good enough I needed to be good enough for him to love me I needed to be good enough to deserve his sacrifice I needed to be good enough to get into heaven basically was the goal so, um, I started studying a lot. Those of you who have been at Crossbridge for forever remember h c and Bonnie Johnson. Mm-hmm. I went to their house every week <laughs> and would just study. so Then I started really getting deeper into the characters of the bible they 're not just characters; they are actual people who lived and breathed and had thoughts and feelings like we do. So David is somebody who has always stood out to me, and i 've been studying him a lot over the past year and for a long time in my mind, like, David was the guy who was the man after God's own heart who did a lot of really great things, and he made that one mistake with Bathsheba. David screwed up a lot, y'all. <laughs> he, was, he was not a good guy. Like, he, he had good qualities. We all have good qualities, but we all know we don't have good qualities, too. David wasn't enough, um, but he was still a man after God's own heart. And then I'm going to try to like slow down when I throw out a Bible verse because I always want to write them down or turn to them. So Exodus 3, verses 11 through 12. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Okay, so this is... Um, there's a bush burning and talking to Moses. <laughs> it's God talking to him. And he's thinking, Who am I? I'm not good enough for this. And so God says, um, Moses... You're so smart, and you're so strong, and you're so powerful, you got this. That's not what he says. He says, I will be with you. So God doesn't heap praise on us. He doesn't um, encourage us or reassure us by telling us how awesome we are. He says, I will be with you. He tells us how awesome he is to encourage us to do these mighty works that he has for us. So that got, well, not just that, but, you know, further study, um, especially like the people that God used, kind of made me see, like, oh, I can't do enough. Um, just enough wasn't working. And trying to be good enough isn't working. So now, do I really believe that God is enough for me? So that kind of takes me to where I am now. Um, and most of you know, I'm an artist, and one of my favorite forms of art is hand lettering. So most of my Instagram and Pinterest is other artists and letterers. And one of the, like, catchphrases that is big to letter right now is, you are enough. So when that first started um, gaining popularity, I'd be scrolling through, and I'd see, you are enough, and I'd be like, I am. I needed to read that, and I'd keep going. So the more I saw it, the more I was like, Ugh, but... I don't feel like enough. What's wrong with me? (laughs) Everybody's saying I'm enough and I don't feel like it. So I must not be enough. And it just sends you down this hole. like why is everybody feeling like they're enough and I don't feel that way. So I started thinking about all of the things that I track and measure in my life. My weight, Um, how much money I have, how much time I have spent playing with my kid, how much time I've spent um, with my friends, how much time I've spent watching Netflix, Um, how many Sunday school classes I've taught, how many, um, cookies I've baked, how, you know, like we measure everything and do we have a dollar amount? Do we have a bottom line? Do we have a number that's enough? Like, how do you know when you've gotten enough followers on Instagram or money or clothes or service hours or children? How do you know? And I think we could probably all look back to our younger years, teenage years or so and think like... Like, you girls probably now have this idea of what your life is going to be like in the future. (laughs) Um, But that's not, it's not real. Like, I thought I was going to have five kids, and I have one. And, like, there are just a lot of things that we measure. And if I did have five kids, would that feel like enough? You know, like, we, we put these measurements on things, and we need to just stop measuring things. Um... And Another danger with that comparison is if I'm looking at, let's say I'm a fish and I'm looking at that monkey climbing a tree and I think I need to climb that tree because that monkey can. I can't climb a tree, I'm a fish, but that monkey can't swim in the ocean. That's a really weird analogy, (laughs) but (laughs) my point is God made (laughs) us each for different purposes. (laughs) Um, Like Jessica, you, you know, my people back there, like... I'm a jaguar, you're a giraffe. Yes, I'm a giraffe, <laughs> we learned last night. And she's a jaguar. I don't know why she used to be the jaguar, but anyway, you just, you can't. You're, you're doing harm to yourself because you're placing expectations that you were not created to meet. And I'm doing harm to the jaguar because the jaguar can't reach the tall leaves in the tree. Like, I'm putting her on a pedestal and putting expectations on her that don't belong there either. Um... Some of the things other than you are enough that people say that sound really good and motivational at the time, like some examples are pull yourself up by your bootstraps, do what makes you feel good, do what makes you happy, you are worthy, you can do it all, you can do it all by yourself, you don't need a man, you don't need a church, you don't need somebody else telling you what to do. And even after hearing all those things, as much like they can be tied up in a cute little package and a witty book and a dynamic speaker and in the moment might feel really, really motivating. But then when all of those words disappear, you still feel less than. You feel unworthy. You feel like you can't pull yourself up. You need somebody else. You don't feel worthy. The problem with that is those sayings aren't Jesus. They don't include Jesus. And unless we're preaching Jesus and only Jesus, it's wrong. And I debated on whether I wanted to say that or not because that sounds kind of harsh, but it's the truth. And I I prayed for the truth to come out. And that is the truth. If we're not talking about Jesus, if we're not saying Jesus is the way to dot, 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 we're wrong. So here's the good news. It's not about me. (laughs) It's not about any of you. If you were in the Wednesday night ladies class, we're reading the book God is Good by Bill Johnson. And on page 62, if you want to write that, that down so you can look at, at it later. Uh, yes, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to hold it up so oh. people could see it. That's got us good. Um, I have it written down here. So on page 62, he refers to Romans 4, verse 15. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. And they, these are Bill Johnson's words. God does nothing to create shame in us. All that he reveals to us, he does out of his goodness so that we might respond to his provision and become free. So it's not even about your humility. Like, it's that much not about you or about me. Um, It's not really even about my personal relationship with God. That's important. You must have a personal relationship with the Lord, but that's not even your purpose. It's actually about his plan, what he, it's about him first, about his plan and what he chose you for in the world to fulfill his plan. It's what he's doing, not what I'm doing or what you're doing or what your neighbor is doing. It's just about the Lord. So I also wanna throw this in there. Um, your dreams do matter. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have goals or you shouldn't have desires. But I do think it's important to ask the Lord to make his desires for you the desires of your heart Because you can go 90 to nothing after your own dream But if it's not part of what he is choosing you for the world to do It's either not going to happen Or it's going to happen and be completely fruitless And be a complete disappointment to you And also be prepared if his answer is no Um uh, this is something I'm working through, so I don't have, like, words really to put through it. But I feel like sometimes he can give you a desire. Uh, I don't know how to say this because God is good. Um, but I feel like sometimes he, he will give you a desire um, that the answer is going to be no to because he wants you to desire him more. That's the best I can say it right now. So how do we balance all of this? Because everything I'm saying is kind of a paradox like how can this be if this is true and okay so it is important to do good work and try your best but we can't maintain it I mean like keeping my house clean (laughs) I will get it so clean and I'm like oh this looks great and as soon as I turn around it's a mess again and it's just wheels spinning and that's you know a pretty simple example but I think that's kind of life um Am I supposed to keep my house clean? Yes. Am I going to do it and be done forever? Sadly, no. (laughs) Um, It's also important to remember that we are filthy rags. We are dirtbag sinners. However you want to put it, we're not Jesus. We have flaws. We have a lot of things wrong with us. But we're also made in his image. So Ephesians 2.10 says, oh, I love this one. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that word handiwork can also be um, translated as masterpiece. And as an artist, of course, I'm like, oh, I like that. Because I could, you know, take notes and doodle something on the side of my journal and be like, oh, that's cute. But if I actually pour my soul into something that I'm painting, it's a part of me. And it is special to me and whoever has it, I want it to speak to them and I want it to have a purpose and I want it to be meaningful. And if you think about uh, this amateur artist feels that strongly, how does God, (laughs) the creator of the earth who molded each of us with his own hands, with a special purpose, how does he feel about you? How does he look at you as his masterpiece? Um, and it's also important to remember we were created to do good works. We were created to be enough. Anything good from the Lord is good is not the word. like it's? He created us to do amazing things, um, and he prepared them in advance for us to do. So he didn't just make us and go, ta-da, and move on to the next creation. He prepared for us before he even made us. And has things for us to do so you know that's quite a balance between i'm a dirt bag and the lord himself created me for a purpose that he prepared for me that's that's a paradox to me all right galatians chapter six verses four and five i also really love this one and i had to text gary on this one let me pull that up maybe Ephesians 6, 4, and 5. I'm sorry. Yes, Galatians. (laughs) Trying to read a text and that at the same time. Okay. So, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So, I want to kind of camp on this one for a minute. So i texted gary and i was like all right i want to know what the greek says (laughs) or hebrew or whatever language you (laughs) speak because i'm not going to understand it just tell me what it says so he said the greek actually means to boast or to glory in i like that definition to glory in the context determines the meaning and intent the nivs take pride in is a good equivalent its meaning once again this is so gary is determined by the context pride can be self-centered and destruction or destructive. Here, Paul seems to be using the term as being satisfied with oneself, a sense of contentment with who we are since we are equally valued by God. We should neither think more highly of ourselves than we ought, nor should we belittle ourselves, which I think Christian women are horrible about. Like, oh, I'm so humble because I think I'm the worst person ever. That's not humility. Um... <laughs> Both actions and attitudes are reflective of destructive pride. We can value who we are because of whose we are. Does this help? Yes, it does, Gary. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, so then I looked at the message. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility. I love this. With doing the creative best you can with your own life. Do the creative. Six, four through five. The creative best you can. I really love that. Okay. Amplified Bible says, then he can have a personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. I really, that one like made the most sense to me. I'll read that again. Have personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable. Um, King James says, Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone the voice, which is new. Um, examine your own work so that if you are proud, it will be because of your own accomplishments and not someone else's. Each person has his or own burden to bear or story to write. I, also, My creativeness loves that um so yeah it says take pride in themselves like maybe y'all are all like yeah that's what it says maybe but to me I was like it says to take pride in myself what that's another paradox um but it's not saying like think too highly of yourself like Gary said it's saying yeah you can recognize when you are within the purpose of God and you can find joy and contentment and peace there it also says to test your actions first so, so you can't just be like, oh, I did that and it was great. You need to make sure that was what God had in store for you, what he asked you to do. Um, and I really think we need to look at that without comparing themselves aspect of it. Cause that is certainly, I mean, most of us in here are wives, mothers, we have careers. We have some pretty high demands on us, our time, our resources. And we can look at somebody else who seems on the outside to have it all together, bless you, and not know what's really going on and try to compare our lives to theirs. And you're just, it's like the fish or the jaguar and the giraffe thing. (laughs) I'm a little bit, Um, you you just, you can't, you can't compare. You're just setting everybody up for failure when you do that. So what are some burdens that we all carry? Kids, sorry. Yes. (laughs) dinner. (laughs) Yes. Husbands yes. <laughs> Okay, I know y'all got more than that Finances Yes, ooh, that's a good one That's a, Okay, so in Matthew 11 Verse 30 It says, come to me All who are weary and burdened And I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I, This is actually 28 through 30 For I am gentle and humble in heart And you will find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy And my burden is light really Jesus. (laughs) Is it? Do we trust that? Do we trust that his burden, his yoke are easy and light? Um, Because the things in this life that weigh us down, like dinner or our past or our children and husbands, they don't feel easy and light to me. So does that mean that those things are really ours to bear? Or are we supposed to surrender them to the Lord and take on His love, take on what He says He has for us. Um, I feel like if we could, in our humanity, (coughs) surrender all those things to Him and just take Him on, that it would feel easy and light. So, if anybody has the formula for how to do that, I'd be happy to hear it. Um, John 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you. That means he really means it. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And listen to this part. And they will do even greater things than these. This is Jesus talking. Even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. How are we supposed to do even greater things than Jesus? Really? He but, rose people from the dead. Yes. <laughs> he rose people from the dead. I have never done that. Has anybody in this room risen anybody from the dead? Because I would like to hear that story as well. Even greater things. But if we think back to, he has prepared things for us in advance. So it's not even really something I'm coming up with or doing. He prepared it, he's doing it, and he's letting me be part of that story. So 2 Corinthians 3, 3 through 5. That's not it.
1: Second, Sorry. 2 Corinthians
0: what now? 3, 4 through 5 such confidence we have through Christ before God. Just verse 5. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. So basically, not that we are enough in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our enoughness comes from God. You're not capable. I'm not capable of doing any of these great things, but God is. He is more than capable. He is more than enough, and He Again, let's us be part of that. So Second Corinthians 9 verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly. That's more than enough. He doesn't bless you just enough. He's able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So let's look at some of those words. Abundantly, all the things, all the times, all you need, abound in In every good work, all the things. (laughs) That's more than sufficiently. That's more than enough. That's more than meeting a purpose. So, Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, says At one time we were too foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Does that sound like our society a little bit? A little familiar? So that's not a new thing. (laughs) That was happening back in this time. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit not because of righteous things we have done, not because we are enough, but because of his mercy, because his mercy is more than enough. So, this is the part where everybody needs to smile at me <laughs> so I can get through this. And um, it's, I'm probably just going to read it because it's a little harder for me. Oh, here we go. Okay. And those of you who have heard this before, just bear with me. When I think about... As a woman, as a wife, as a mother, being enough, was my own mom enough? Did she feel like she wasn't enough? Did she go through this? Somebody make a funny face or something. Thank you. (laughs) Um, My mom had been on and off hospice care for three years with a diagnosis of congestive heart failure. That was her hospice, hospice diagnosis. She had a ton of other things wrong with her. Um, including brain tumors for many years prior so yeah when that hmm, that was rough I had the privilege of taking care of her for a lot of that time I had to do a lot of things for her that I would not do for many other people um, it took a lot of humility on both of our parts and probably more so on hers than mine I knew I was not enough to take care of her but God provided more than enough Provided angels who were more than enough in the form of hospice nurses, chaplains, friends, and family. She developed an infection in her foot. She was diabetic, and that's a risk, um, especially with poor circulation, um, which resulted in a toe amputation under local anesthesia because her heart was not strong enough for general anesthesia, and it did not get rid of the infection. Um, when mom had first gone home on hospice about three years prior to this, She chose to sign a DNR and have her internal defibrillator turned off. Um, And she gave me durable power of attorney, which meant I had control of any medical or financial decisions that needed to be made. Thanks, Mom. Um, (laughs) My dad had lost both legs to infection after knee replacement surgery. Um, So he couldn't help take care of her. He was mentally not in a place to make decisions. And we also knew what life had been like for him since having an amputation. So um, when the doctors told us that she would either have to have further surgery or the infection would kill her, I had to be the one to make the decision. Mom was under the influence of painkillers and the infection was already reaching her brain basically. Um, So she was pretty much out of it. So I talked to her cardiologist who had been her doctor for years and years and they had a special relationship and asked him What do I do? (laughs) If this was your mom, what would you do? And he said, I can't answer that for you. I said, I need you to. (laughs) You're not leaving this room until you tell me what to do. And um, he said, you know what your mom wants. I said, yeah, I do. But I still couldn't say it. I had to say it, and I had to sign a piece of paper that said I knew it. Um, So our choices were to put her through surgery, which was a risk with her heart. And if she made it through, she was going to be even more dependent less independent. Um, Or we could take her home and keep her comfortable until the infection took her away, which could have been a few days. It could have been a few months. We had no idea. She, like I said, she was under the influence of strong painkillers. She was kind of out of it. Um, I remember it all like a scene in a movie. Like it wasn't even me, like I'm watching it. Um, I wasn't enough to make that choice. I wasn't strong enough to make that choice, but God provided again. So mom had a moment of clarity, and I said, mom, do you know what you want to do? And she said, she looked at me just like she was saying I want peanut butter and jelly. She said, I want to go home, and I said, do you understand what's going to happen if we go home? And she said, yes, I'm going to die, like she was going to the store. (laughs) So I, of course, Started sobbing even more than this. And she reached her hand up to my cheek. And she said, It's okay, my heart. Which I always thought was a really weird nickname, my heart. But now that I have Blake, I'm like, oh, there's my heart walking around outside <laughs> my body. I get it. Um, but she said, It's okay, my heart. I know where I'm going, and you'll be there one day too. And she laid back down and went to sleep. <laughs> that was enough. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Um, In that moment, that was enough because heaven was enough for her. So we took her home the next morning and kept her comfortable. Um, We spent a lot of time telling her how much she meant to us in her awake moments and cried and prayed and figured out how we were going to get through this while she slept. Um, Three days later was a Sunday. I woke up that morning and told Ken, I wanna go to church. I wanna see my people. (laughs) I need them right now. And as I was getting ready, I was like, I can't, I need to be with mom. I can't be away from her. Um, My aunt would stay with her at night so I could go home and sleep. So the weather had been really chilly. um, And that day was like 65 degrees and all of a sudden flowers were blooming, birds were chirping. it was her favorite kind of day. It was her favorite time of year. So around 11 that morning, um, we had her hospital bed was in the living room. And we had opened the window behind her bed. And um, I was standing on one side, and Ken was next to me. And Dad was sitting on the other side of her bed holding her hand. And um, we were telling her about the day. And <laughs> some flowers that we had planted when I was five years old in the front yard were popping up. And I was like, Mom, (laughs) we haven't seen those flowers in forever. Um, But she wasn't awake. She hadn't been awake in over 36 hours. Um, But we hoped she could still hear us. So I'm holding her hand, and all of a sudden I feel her squeeze it. And she had not responded to anything. I mean, like, shoving medicine into her gums and stuff didn't. There was no response to anything. She squeezed my hand and lifted her head and shoulders off of the bed and looked directly into my eyes with this look on her face that I still don't know how to describe. She looked straight into my eyes like she was telling me something. She looked at Ken, turned her head and looked at Daddy, laid back down and let out her last breath. <laughs> Mom died on March 9th, 2014, which is five years ago today. And I don't think that's a coincidence. In that moment she was enough because he is enough that moment of pain and sorrow was also so full of peace because he is more than enough growing up our house was not often clean enough I get that from my mama (laughs) Um, by society standards mom was not ever thin enough thanks mom She never made enough money. She wasn't ever confident enough to finish college, although she was certainly smart enough. She wasn't a good enough mom to keep me out of trouble as a teen. So you can see where I'm going here. (laughs) There's a pattern. Her life was more than enough because she loved Jesus. He took her and all of her humanity and gave the world more than enough love. And if you'll indulge me, I'm going to tell you more about my mom. She loved me even when I confessed my worst sins to her. She made beautiful wedding cakes that tasted even better than they looked and charged way less than she should have because she wanted people who couldn't afford their dream wedding to have just a part of it. She painted beautiful nativity scenes, and if you've been to my house at Christmas time, you've seen it, um, and other ceramic pieces for people who needed visual reminders of the gospel she fiercely loved her husband her children her grandchildren and anyone else who crossed her path because god is more than enough and she trusted him completely and when her life was over she had no money no possessions to speak of she was in poor health in fact she was unconscious for the last day and a half of her life but her life filled that room and our hearts and as she met jesus her life was enough So my prayer is that when my life on this earth is over, it's been enough for the people I've loved because I got out of the way and let God be enough. My prayer for all of us is that we will let go of trying to keep up with each other and with the world that says we should be more to be enough and just let each other be enough because God is more than enough. So if y'all will let me, let's pray. Father, thank you that I don't have to do it all because you've done it all. There's nothing we can ever do to earn our way to you or achieve your status. Father, break our habits of trying to. Help us see when you've filled the gaps to make us enough. Help us praise your name aloud for that so others may hear that you, Lord, are enough. Help us stop t- telling each other, girl, you're enough just the way you are, and help us tell the truth. Friend, Jesus is more than enough, and he will make your life be just enough. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that wasn't emotional at all. <laughs> I hope you heard something today that gives you some more insight into who I am and into my heart for God's people and God's women, especially. I don't have it all figured out. I don't follow my own advice 24-7. It's hard. It's tempting to try to be self-sufficient or to completely give up and feel like nothing you do is good. But finding that balance and that alignment of striving and persevering and fully relying on God is this sweet spot. It's where we all do our best. There's one correction that I want to make to what I was saying about taking care of my mom, and I want to give other people the credit they deserve. My mom's youngest sister was so selfless in caring for both my mom and my dad, her sister, but also her brother-in-law. Just so many people. I wasn't the only one taking care of them. I was just sharing my personal part of the story, but I definitely wanna give those people credit. If you heard something today that makes you want to talk to me, please find me. Let me know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, any questions that you have. That's the whole point here, is being able to share openly with each other. Like I said at the beginning, find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram. Head to my website. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't ever miss a thing. Do you know somebody that needs to hear this episode or a past episode? Make sure you're sharing those on social media or just by word of mouth. Tell a friend. I'm just so grateful to those of you who are listening. And I'm so grateful for those who have been willing to share and those of you that are considering sharing in the future. I read from the message in my talk. So today I want to leave you with this blessing from 1 Kings 8 from the message. And let these words that I've prayed in the presence of God be always right there before him day and night so that he will do what is right for me to guarantee justice for his people Israel day after day after day then all the people on the earth will know God is the true God. There is no other God, and you, your lives, must be totally obedient to God, our personal God, following the life path He has cleared, alert and attentive to everything He has made plain this day.